What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. It's that time of the week again, Mailbag Monday. You sent me your questions. I solicited them on Twitter at Mike G. Rich. You sent them my way, and I'm going to answer them. We'll do three full segments of questions. If you want to get involved in this exercise, just send me a tweet to at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or watch this guy's Monday morning West Coast time when I send out the call for questions. I solicit them Monday mornings. We answer Monday nights. It's Monday mailbag. Not surprisingly, a lot of questions about Carmelo Anthony this week. So that's where we're going to start. Carmelo heavy in the first segment. Let's get it going. First one comes from Ryan underscore Gaskin at Gaskin underscore Ryan. Stays with the underscore. Like it. Ryan asks simply, obvious one but needs addressing, does Mello work out? Exclamation point to go along with the question mark. Well, Ryan, depends on what you mean by work out. I don't think Carmelo Anthony saves the season. I don't think he comes close to saving the season for the Blazers. But I think the bar is low enough that could Mello work out <laughs> seems pretty reasonable. Is Carmelo Anthony at age 35, a full year removed from an NBA basketball game, probably two full seasons removed from being a good NBA basketball player? Is he going to push this team back into the top half of the playoffs? I don't think so. Is he going to help this team contend for a playoff spot? We'll see. But is he better than Mario Hazonia? I feel like that's the question that we're really answering here. Is Carmelo Anthony a better solution as a backup power forward than Mario Hazonia? And because that bar has been pushed down to that level, I think maybe. I think it's I think it's reasonable to be optimistic that it quote unquote works out with Melo, that he's a better solution at backup four. If you have higher expectations for him, if you think that this is the Hall of Fame all-star caliber player of three or four years ago, a guy who could drop twenty-five on any given night, I think he might <laughs> I think your feelings might get hurt. I think I think he might hurt your expectations might get shot a little bit. I don't think Melo's that big of an impact player. But depending on what you mean by workout, sure, it might work out. Okay, more Melo questions. This next one comes from Steve at SMK underscore 25 on Twitter. Steve asks, everyone seems to be bringing up Melo's D as what the problem will be. Heard that angle enough, Steve notes. What do you think the offense will look like with him on the floor? Optimal lineup, or what's the optimal lineup around him? Dame, CJ, Hood, Whiteside, and him together sounds like a clunky offensive lineup to me. Sure does. Sure does, Steve. Uh, I think Rodney Hood and Carmelo Anthony have relatively similar skill sets in how they like to operate. They're spot-up shooter types who, if they are going to score individually, it's going to be mid-post isolations. I agree with you there. But here's where I would push back. What is less clunky on this team right now than... Carmelo Anthony playing with the Blazers' regular starting lineup. Nazir Little, and we'll talk about him here in a second because a couple of you asked about him, but Nazir Little has been good, but it's not like he's a floor spacer that really opens things up. He's not a high-level screener either. He's not freeing guys with you know massive picks off the ball or even on the ball. So while I think there is some concern that Melo as sort of a non-attacking 
dribble driver at this stage in his game, someone who kind of likes to ISO a little bit, someone who operates the same way as Hood, someone who doesn't pass similar to C.J. McCollum, you know, all, all these sort of things we know about Melo, it's offensive game. I don't look at the roster and see a better solution. You know, maybe you play Dame, CJ, Ant, and Mello for more space, but that team's going to get cooked on defense. I mean, I, I think, Steve, what you've done is you've identified that the Blazers' roster just isn't very good, and adding a 35-year-old does not solve their problems. I think you make a great point. The concern should be on both sides of the ball. Defense is certainly a big issue, but whether Mello can even be an important cog on offense remains to be seen. Okay, next up, we're answering two questions at once because two of you had similar questions, but not quite the same. First one comes from Guido Pinamonti at Guido Pinamonti on Twitter, who asks, does Melo end up starting in place of Little? And the two-part question here, Parshal at Jack Parshal on Twitter, who asks, who do you think gets more minutes, Nazir or Carmelo? Jack, love to see you already calling these dudes by their first names. Very familial. Okay, so who starts, who plays more? I have said this, and I still think it's true, that Terry Stotts tends to play young guys with the starting group because he feels like they fit in better playing with better players. So if he's going to get Nazir little minutes, it's easier to get him minutes in that starting group. In addition, to that. So that that's just one thing. I think I think Nas stays in the starting group because if Terry's going to play a 19-year-old, he feels comfortable playing him there. But additionally, Nazir Little has played well in his starts. Like undeniably well. Played well against the Raptors, played pretty well against the Spurs, played pretty well against the Rockets when the Blazers got shellacked. I thought he was a bright spot and them getting kind of mowed down. So I don't think you can take him out of the starting lineup, certainly not tomorrow night against the New Orleans Pelicans. He knows the playbook better than Melo. He provides a an athleticism boost that they don't really otherwise have. I mean, uh, one of his own is a good athlete, but he doesn't use it the same way as your little does, and he's probably not as strong as him in sort of like functional basketball stuff. So I think Nazir Little stays in the starting lineup for the short term. If I had to guess, I would say Nazir Little, assuming the Blazers' health stays what it is right now, not factoring in Pau Gasol or whatever, I think the the starting lineup stays what it is even as Melo comes back. But who plays more minutes, as Jack asks? I think in the near term, that's Nazir Little too. In the last two games, he's played 32 and then 29 minutes. He hasn't been lights out. Like, he was really good energy-wise against... San Antonio, but he didn't have a crazy good game. He didn't shoot particularly well from the floor. He finished with five points and eight rebounds. He played 29 minutes and would have played a little bit more, but he fouled out against the Rockets, had 11 and seven. He's not... Nazir isn't changing the world, but he is playing with... He is making some energy plays, making some hustle plays. He had a huge play down the stretch, knocking the ball off Rudy Gay against the Spurs. He's... Right now, he's a better choice. Eventually, Mello maybe passes him up, but I still see Mello in that 18, 15 to 21 minute range, and Nazir Little pushing more towards 30, at least in the short term. Okay, a couple more, and then we'll move off Mello. Next question comes from Blazers in 5 at Justin underscore B underscore Leak on Twitter, who asks, which is more likely in your opinion, 
Mello is still here by the end of December, or Pau Gasol plays a single game this season. Okay, I love this one because uh, it really highlights sort of Blazers' pessimism is that Pau Gasol is never going to play. He's pulling the fest of Zeely. And we don't really know much about Powell. There's a question specifically about this that I'll answer later in the podcast. But, you know, we've heard he's making progress. We see him doing more things, but we just don't know how close he is. And the Blazers aren't exactly um, forthcoming with injury stuff. But I think it's much more likely that uh, Mello is here by the end of December simply because his contract is guaranteed through the first week of January. And there's no reason for the Blazers to waive him earlier unless he's just like a cancer and just takes the team down. But, you know, morale-wise, but as I've joked before, if, if Melo ruins the Blazers' season, how will we know? <laughs> the, the season's already a mess. How will we know it's Melo's fault? I guess reporters like me will tell you it's Melo's fault. But yeah, I'll say Melo is more likely to be here by the end of December. I think Pau plays a single game this season. But I'm not. But the reason why I'm picking Mello still here by the end of December is just function of his contract. Final question on the Mello front comes from Ryan at R Canole 27. Might have pronounced your last name wrong, Ryan. Apologize. But but Ryan asks, does the Mello pickup feel more like a Pippin move or a Kemp move? Love this question. Fantastic. A lot of people on uh, Twitter on the Twitter.com website have been likening the mellow signing to Scotty Pippen. They have been saying, here is here is Scotty who's came over from the Rockets and was a multi-time all-star, you know, ten-time all-star, was a six-time all-NBA player, all these things. The, the parallels are really similar. Except that Scotty Pippen was really good still, even though he was old. He had just played on a Houston Rockets team that came they came, I think they lost in game six, but they were in the Western Conference Finals. That's not what Mello is. Mello is much more like Sean Kemp. Kemp came to the Blazers after three pretty terrible years with the Cleveland Cavaliers, removed from his heyday with the Seattle Supersonics. He had a ton of weight concerns and sort of effort concerns when he got here. I don't think Mello has those same things, but he's more parallel to Kemp in that Mello's heyday came with the Nuggets and the Knicks. His last two stops, OKC and Houston, are more parallel or more akin to the Cleveland stop for Kemp, where it was like, maybe this dude's career is over. And now Melo is coming here for one last shot, kind of like Kemp coming here for one last shot. Of course, Sean Kemp did play one season with the Orlando Magic, but, you know, maybe that's where Melo's headed next. All right, second segment, less Melo, more questions. Monday mailbag rolls on. Stick with me. All right, still Lockdown Blazer, still Monday mailbag. I lied about the last Mellow question. I got a great one from Logan Giles, at Logan Giles on Twitter, who asks, What's the best nickname for Mario Mellow timeshare at the power forward spot? Is it perhaps Super Melio? It's going to be hard for me to beat Super Melio. Really enjoy Super Melio. Really enjoy any bad nicknames. I will use this opportunity to tell you guys that when Alan Crabb and Evan Turner were set to sort of play together as the wing pairing off the bench. I was really pushing Crab and Goyle for their nickname, which is a Harry Potter reference. It did not catch on because no one is as geeky as me. So I'm with I'm with Super Melio. Here's the thing. I think there's a pretty good chance that Melo's arrival eventually pushes Mario Hazonia out of the rotation entirely. 
so they might not be in a timeshare. But Supermelio, Carmelio, or a personal favorite, Escape from New York for two former Knicks. Any of those is a good nickname, but we'll stick with yours, Logan, Supermelio. Okay, next one comes from at PDX, who asks, After the Hood and Cantor reclamation projects of last year and the Mellow signing this year, do you think the Blazers will rank high on any buyout player's destination or a trade partner for vets on tanking teams? And Peyton PDS, PDX adds, psst, paging Andre Iguodala. There is no way in hell the Blazers land Andre Iguodala. Let's just get that one out there. He's going to go try to play on a team that is going to compete for a championship. Unfortunately, your Blazers talked about championships in September, but here we are in mid-November and they don't look anywhere close to that. They don't even they don't even look like a surefire playoff team. They look like someone who will battle for one of the final playoff spots in the West if they do indeed make it. Caveat is long season. They usually are really good in March, but you know how that is. So just in general, I don't think they're going to rank high for buyout destinations. Uh, they ended up with Carmelo Anthony because he had no other options and he really wanted one chance in the league and they've got a real role for him. But as a trade partner for vets on tanking teams, it kind of depends on what those tanking teams want. Certainly the Kevin Love speculation for a terrible Cavs team. They've been more competitive, actually. They're not terrible. They're just a bad, run-of-the-mill bad team. Certainly that that is an option that everyone likes to float out there, but it kind of depends on what tanking teams are after. Are they after? Not all tanking teams these days just want to absorb expiring contracts. They probably want draft picks. And if the Blazers are bad, and if they are going to, you know, potentially lose a bunch of players off this already bad team and have to rebuild it again next summer, maybe trading future draft picks is not a great plan. So I think they conceivably could be. They have they have first-round picks to move. They have expiring contracts to move to absorb an eventual trade partner or be eventual trade partner for vets and absorb absorb a veteran contract from a tanking team. But I don't know if they're going to be in, a, in that position come February. We've got a long way to go to get that paint PDX. This next one comes from Jason Iosko. Might have mispronounced that one, Jason, but I'll try it one more time. It's at Jason Iosko on Twitter, who asks, If the Blazers had a tr- to trade one in a package for a star, do you think it's more likely that they trade Collins or Simons? I love this question because you you can see Neil. Neil loves his toys. He loves his draft picks. He really values his own decision-making. He's really he was really high on Collins. He, he talked about his ten year ten year career and long term um, peace on draft night. He's insanely high on Simons. He's called him several times the most talented player he's ever drafted. Neil Olshay drafted the best player in Blazer history, Damian Lillard. Probably not there yet, but Dame will be the best Blazer in history. You know what I'm saying? And yet here's Neil. All summer long, talking about how Anthony Simons is the most talented player he's ever drafted in 15 years. For that reason alone, I'm going to say they're more likely to keep Simons. And Collins would be the guy you'd dangle in a trade. That said, with the injury and the less, Collins only has one year left in his deal, maybe he's less valuable. So depending on what level of star, maybe it has to be Simons. But I'll tell you this, the Blazers do not want to trade Anthony Simons. They do not want to trade him. I don't think they want to trade Zach Collins either, 
But if I'm forced to pick by this wonderful question, Jason, I'll lean towards Zach just slightly. Okay, this next question comes from Brennan O'Donnell, who asks, On January 1st, when we are 33 games into the season, how far below or above 500 do you think the Blazers will be based off what we've seen so far? Brennan, thank you for offering a positive for saying that they could be above 500 because you know that my inclination was to talk about how bad the Blazers are because I'm a natural pessimist. But I'll try to bring some optimism for you, dear listeners. Okay, the Blazers are on pace right now to win just shy of 12 of their first 33 games, 11.8 if you're into math. That's not good. But I don't think they're I don't think they're going to stay on this pace necessarily. They've had a brutal start to the season. You know, 13 of their first 18 will end up being on the road. By the time they get back from this six-game road trip, they got four left. They have a home-heavy December. They're home for like all of December. So I'm going to say by the time they get to 33 games, the Blazers will be 15 and 18. Not totally in the gutter. Certainly not having righted the ship yet but not totally out of playoff contention I assume. Okay, next question comes from Sir Wheezy at Wheezy Sir on Twitter who asks, or who says you talked about Rocco Robert Covington in your last podcast what are your thoughts about Otto Porter? He seems like a guy that will likely be available and another the Blazers tried to get in the past would you be concerned about his contract productivity level and fit? Let me answer those in reverse order. Wheezy, sir. Sir Wheezy, appreciate the question. Fit, no. I like his fit. He can play three of the four. He's a he's a really reasonable small ball four. I like that. Blazers need that spot. They need anyone who can play the forward spots, uh, assuming that they have to get rid of someone like Ken Bazemore to acquire him. Productivity level. I am a little bit concerned about that. Porter was really good at the end of the season for the Bulls. The Blazers chased him when he was, the Wizards were trying to ship him out, but they basically just, the Wizards wanted expiring contracts and they weren't willing to take on money. And the Blazers could only offer players with still, with years left in their deals. And the Wizards just kind of balked at it. Uh, Blazers even tried to get into a three-team deal and um, help the, send the Bulls some players and, and just sort of facilitate the trade, trying to convince Chicago that they didn't want Otto Porter. But the Bulls balked at that. And Porter was really good down the stretch for them. in. 15 games, he averaged 17.5 points, 5.5 boards, and almost 3 assists. He was really useful, really productive uh, at both forward spots. More aggressive than he had been in the Wizards. Looked like he was a real, uh, going to be a real piece for them. But he has not been that good this year. He's been dealing with some injuries. Uh, he has a left foot injury right now, and, and he's he's been sidelined for a few games with that. So I do worry about the productivity level just because He's a 26-year-old who's never played a full 82-game season. So I think there's some concern about durability and how 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 long you can get good Otto Porter. Concerned about his contract? You know, he has one year remaining on this contract over this season. It's a player option, but it's big money. He's going to opt in. It's $28 million. So he's, he's picking that up. He's not going out in the open market and passing up $28 million. I wouldn't be concerned about it. I understand there's people who want to clear the books for next season and 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 maintain some flexibility because the Blazers could go into next summer with upwards of twenty million dollars. I think think just shy of twenty million dollars in cap space if they if everybody leaves and they bring back spare parts on a minimum deal, then they could go chase bigger fish this summer. I don't think the Blazers are going to 
they just haven't had enough success in free agency for me to value cap space in the summer. And I think Otto Porter on expiring deal has some value. So I'm not concerned about his contract. I like him. I don't know if the Bulls would make that move. I don't know what the Bulls would want. But just from a fit and a standpoint with this roster, I like him. All right, third segment. We're going to close this out. Mailbag Monday with more of your questions. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about my bookie. You can use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A, and MyBookie will match 50% off your first deposit. Listening on the go? If you can't visit MyBookie right now, you can find this and all the other offers from LockedOn at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, still Mike Richmond, still a pass first point guard, and still Mailbag Monday here on Locked On Blazers. Let's close out the show with more of your questions. This next one comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus. And the Reverend asks, Ryan Anderson was just dropped. Would he have been a better temporary fit for the Blazers than Carmelo Anthony? For listeners that need context, Ryan Anderson was signed by the Rockets this summer, and then they waived him today. Uh, the writing was on the wall. One, the Rockets seem like they're trying to get below the tax line, or at least angle themselves to be cheaper. And also, Clint Capella, their starting center, missed a couple games, and Ryan Anderson did not play in any of those games. He's mostly played center for the Rockets. So if you're not going to play when the minutes are available for you, there's really no reason for you to be on the team if you are a 31-year-old, 12-year vet like Ryan Anderson. So, but more to your question, would he be a better fit? I kind of think no. I'm not totally sure that Carmelo, like I said at the top of the podcast, I don't think he's this game-changing type acquisition. In fact, I think he barely moves the needle for the Blazers who are who are struggling right now. I think Carmelo Anthony is like a fun, interesting addition, certainly more exciting um, and more better for the podcast fodder than Ryan Anderson, but he's not wholly better, but I do think he is better. Um, Four years ago, three years ago, Ryan Anderson was a guy who shot seven, eight threes a game and about 40% from the three-point range. 38, 40% back-to-back seasons for the Rockets. Then he really fell off. Um, he just he just wasn't as good. He's He was a really interesting player in his prime. I think at this stage, uh, he just he can't guard anyone. I don't know what position exactly he plays. You might say the same thing for Melo. But I think in terms of defensive liability, offense first players, at least Melo, in theory, brings more to the table than Ryan Anderson. It's close, though. But I think Melo is a better fit in theory. Okay, next question comes from Belgian Blazer at Belgian underscore Blazer on Twitter, who asks, any news on Pau Gasol? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if the Blazers had an update on Pau Gasol? Here's what we know. He's ramping up his work. He seems to be getting closer than he has been. Uh, Ramping up his work just means it's not when the Blazers open, for some context, when the Blazers open practice when media members go out there, it's not like you get to watch the Blazers practice. Usually the practice is done and you get to watch post-practice work, which is when Pau Gasol might be taking jumpers or doing little uh, shooting drills with an assistant coach. But Pau has yet to return to practice. One of the keys for returning to practice is you have to talk to the media. So if Pau does join Blazers in practice, it means he's close, and it means that he'll have to do some interviews on camera. I'll certainly provide the audio here if I can. So we think Pau's closer. 
but we just don't know. And I, I think it's worth considering is that Powell thought he was joining a team that was going to be a high-level playoff team. And all of a sudden, this team is clearly not that. I'm not saying that that's sort of driving his willingness to play or whatever, but it might change the calculation a little bit because he was maybe saving himself for a run into April and May, and now maybe he doesn't need to uh, think that far in advance because the Blazers need to win now just to get there. might change the calculation a little bit. I don't think that wholly makes Powell rush back, but I think it could speed up his timeline by a week or 10 days. Say he's targeting January 10th, they might move him to January 1st and say, hey, listen, we really need you. We can't wait 10 more days. But right now, no news on Powell. Ramping it up slowly. Okay, next question comes from HR at Arch RFX, Archer FX on Twitter, who asks, if you can pick one home game in January for a fan to attend, which one will it be? Okay, I've got two. I'm going to give you a weekday game and a weeknight game that I'm strongly going to recommend. My weekend game, Saturday, January 11th, the Blazers host the Milwaukee Bucks. Anytime you get a chance to see Giannis Antetokounmpo, you should do it. He's one of the great players of this generation. He's kind of dominated the Blazers over the last couple of years. So if you really want to see a Blazer win, maybe don't pick that one. But if you're just going to pick one game, that's as good an opponent as you're going to find. And my other choice, top choice, would be January 23rd. The Blazers host the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic, a 20-year-old who's putting together one of the great seasons anyone's having in the league this year. An early season MVP candidate. He's been that good. Chris Porzingis. Seth Curry, if you're into former Blazers. Uh, the Mavericks have one of the best offenses in the league. They're a really fun team. They've played some competitive games against the Blazers. I don't think that one necessarily will be a blowout, maybe a little bit closer. National TV game should be a lot of fun. It's on TNT, Thursday the 23rd. Those are my two. If you really want to see a Blazer win, I guess I'd lean more towards the Mavericks. But hey, you never know. All right, we're going to close out the show in this last one that comes from KJM underscore B-Ball at B-BallKJM on Twitter, who asks, I constantly hear commentators say, Portland just needs to tread water until Nurkic comes back. From what we've seen from this injury, Hayward and Paul George, it feels like we'll be waiting until 2020-2021 to see the beast at full power again. Why is this not mentioned more? Uh, it's not mentioned more because it's mad boring for commentators to say, uh, this injured player is going to miss the whole season when they don't know if he's going to miss the whole season. Also, the injury feels like a long time ago. It was in March. People think maybe he could be back sooner if they're not paying close attention to how the Blazers have been handling this injury. Uh, also, I think, generally speaking, national commentators expect the Blazers to be good. Many of them have no idea the Blazers are bad yet. It will be surprised in a couple weeks when they play a TNT game and realize the Blazers are bad. That said, to answer sort of more the core of your question, Gordon Hayward's injury was different. He dislocated his ankle. He had just more stuff going on. I believe he had two procedures on his leg. A little bit different. Took him two years, basically, to get back. And he was really good at the beginning of this year and then broke his hand. Paul George, uh, his he came back a little bit quicker than Nurk is scheduled to. And then he played just at the end of that season and then took the whole uh, summer off and came back. Basically missed an entire year. So yeah, I I think um, you won't you haven't heard me saying that I expect Nurk to come back at full strength. In fact, I would point you in the direction of my September twenty third podcast season outlook Yusuf Nurkic, where I went deep on this stuff. 
Um, I kind of laid out what I think Yusuf Nurkic will, what his season will look like. I don't want to give you a ton of homework, but I did 25 minutes on Yusuf Nurkic, and I can't give you full 25 now. I can give you about another minute and a half. I don't think anyone who reasonably watches this team and understands how long away February is thinks the Blazers can just tread water and Nurk will save them. But I think it's a popular opinion because I don't think people thought the Blazers would struggle this much early in the season. And Yusuf Nurkic is really good. So if he does come back and is at full strength, he really helps. But I think your point is right. Commentators shouldn't say that. Portland can't just tread water until Nurk is back because if treading water is around 500, this season isn't going super far. Thanks to all of you who submitted questions. If you want to get your question on this podcast, submit them at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Whenever you're thinking of a Blazer question, just tweet it at me. I got the internet. I'll be able to save those questions for the next week. Or check your Twitter feed Monday mornings, West, West Coast time, when I send out the solicitation for questions. Do me a favor, tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they get podcasts. That's on Google, Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. We didn't talk about it because I don't do game recaps on this podcast, but Blazers have split the first two games of their road trip, and they got a really important one Tuesday against the Pelicans that should also be Carmelo Anthony's debut. We got a lot coming Tuesday evening. It means I'll have a podcast for you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.